Rugby World Cup show is back. Dave Finn, welcome along. Good afternoon, Robert. How are you? We're back in Alan Deegan's house, but unfortunately his lovely wife Adrienne isn't here, so all we got is a couple of crisps and a few pistachio nuts. There's honey roast peanuts as well. Come on. It certainly is. The voice of Alan Deegan is looking after us all by himself. And oh, doing and, your, the and the dog, yes. A, 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 a very honourable mention to Roxy as well. Uh, William Davies is here. Uh, good evening, Rob. Good evening, William. Uh, William, you're, you have plenty of proud Welsh blood in you. So were you jumping up and down the room uh, when Wales scored a wonderful try and then Dan Bigger with the weirdest uh, pre-kick routine I have seen uh, just popped over a winning kick. Yeah, that went down quite well. Mm. Um, it was a surprise. It was a very interesting game of rugby, which was played, I think, as much in the head of the English team as it was uh, on the pitch. Yeah, we'll get to that a little bit more because we'll be talking about whether England can get through the Australia game. Highlighted weekend, Dave. Oh, I have nothing to do with rugby. If you're talking purely on uh, rugby terms. Um, <laughs> yeah. Actually, the highlight of the weekend is, is, is the try that wasn't, uh, which was Zebo's try which was a lovely piece of rugby. And it highlights again that every now and again, TMOs, are, they are just doer, mechanical, everything by the rules, people. And they've no sense of romance or spirit yeah. of adventure. Because Zebo, yes, it was clear he did put a foot in the He only had one foot in touch. But it was so... In the old days, a referee would go, you know what, that deserves a try. And I've seen a number of things across it. I think that was the moment of the match. OK, it didn't count for anything in the end and it didn't make any difference to the scoreline, but I thought it was just a lovely piece. And shows what rugby and individual flair can do. Imagine what a night out in the pub with a group of TMOs is like, just utter no cracking. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That's an impossible feat. Alan, uh, your highlighted weekend? There's just so many. So many. Just, just, just so much good rugby going on. Just honestly, coming home after my rugby talk session and sitting down and watching great rugby match after great rugby match. What yeah, more could I ask? Even Italy Canada was brilliant, if not one of the best games of the weekend. It was fantastic. Yeah, I was I was so impressed with Canadians and, and I thought they were um, slightly hard done by and I think they could have won that game. William, tell everyone why they were hard done by in case anyone missed it. Uh, the try that won the game for Italy had one constituent fault. At the line-out, the ball didn't travel five metres, mm. which it has to do. It's been a law of rugby going back to when I was a tiny tot myself. Considering the fact that we have assistant referees, referees, TMOs and various hangers-on, that somebody didn't spot this uh, because the TMO in that game was involved a couple of times, very plaintively going, uh, I think we need to look at that referee. They missed that and it was disappointing. We're going down the uh, telephone line to Ronan in a little while. Ronan Byrne, a regular on our podcast, and he pops up once in a while and he's going to tell us about Ireland versus Romania, which he was at, and maybe some of the atmosphere around in England. So that's coming up a bit later in the podcast. Maybe just talk to me about the fact that England and Wales might have been one of the real storming uh, shows of the weekend, but Ireland-Romania, what did you take from it? I take from that, that um, getting the job done. I think we there's an issue in Ireland, which is I'm not sure. I accept that there are issues in the centre, but I'm wondering now if we have an issue at 13 or if we are being told we have an issue at 13. And I wonder if there's certain, if there might be... I, I need to really sit down and analyse exactly what's going on at 13 with Jared Bain. Because I didn't think he was as bad. He, I think he's made a couple of mistakes in the, in the game against Canada. Clearly he made a mistake with the kick. I didn't think he was that... I, he, he hasn't done anything outstandingly, wonderfully, my God, mind-blowingly brilliant. But at the same time, you're not looking at him going, oh my God, he's stinking the place out. And I just wonder if there is certain... 
he doesn't fit well with certain media types who are, who are shouting the horn loudly that we have a problem at 13. And now I might be completely wrong, but I don't think it's as big a crisis as, say, Wales, who have, who have no 13 at all. Yeah, and they have a game against Fiji this weekend. Alan, back sticking on topic there. Yeah, just on, on Payne, he is, his defence is amazing. He is one of the best defenders that we've got. He's unbelievably aggressive in defence. His reading of the game is fantastic. OK, he has a few issues going forward. We've other guys to do that. If he can control the defence, it's defence that win World Cups, not attack. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if, given that we're going against Italy, I think given what's happened with the two fullbacks we have in the squad, that Zebo's had an emotional week and that... Rob has a bang on the hip, and it's not worth the hassle. It's not worth the hassle. Maybe give Rob a rest, and why not? Why not just if we're going to jazz things about? Why not put Payne at fifteen? Because he plays there all the time for Ulster, and then see see a combination of I don't know Cave and Robbie. Which Robbie will definitely play this weekend. Either Luke and Robbie, Darren Darren Cave and Robbie, and have Jared Payne at fifteen. That means you can let Simon have the week these because he's got. I mean, emotionally he can't be right, and give Rob Rob Kearney the rest, and then you also then can have. I don't know, you can then have both Tommy and Tommy and Keith on the wings. I mean, it's Italy. I mean, and we'll talk about them in a while. I think Payne at 15 isn't going to be a reason. Is a good enough fullback that we can to help us in our case against Italy. All right, that's enough on that. Uh, we're a couple overall. So, we're like, we're looking at some of the other games, Australia, Chris and Pass, Uruguay. There's one pool that has all the attention, obviously, because it's the host nation, but... It is providing a massive amount of entertainment and offsetting maybe a couple of the other pools which aren't as gripping. But uh, yeah, England, Wales, Australia. And this weekend, England versus Australia. One of the biggest pool games in the history of the World Cup, I could say. Yeah, I think it is because no host nation has ever gone out of the uh, first round stage. Japan will in 2019 if they get to hold it. But uh, England are under enormous pressure. It's uh, it's ratcheting up now. The media uh, read an article today, I think, by McCleary in The Telegraph. If England get knocked out, Lancaster must be kept. You really don't want to be reading stuff like that. But that's where, that's where the pressure is coming on. The reason I think there is behind that is that Lancaster has said that he wants to be judged by the 2019 World Cup, not this one. In the same way Woodward did the same thing in his day. He wanted to be judged by the 2003 and not the 1999 one. Uh, well, I don't know whether that's going to carry here when you're the hosts. It's a funny one because they've, they've done a fantastic job. They've sold a lot of tickets. The atmosphere in the grounds was phenomenal. And it was brilliant even today down at Sandy Park for a game involving Tonga and Namibia. So it doesn't really matter if England go out. People are still going to turn up at the quarterfinals. The TV coverage is still going to be there. But I think for the psyche of English rugby and for the powers that be, it'll be a very hard pill to swallow. And that's going to transmit on to the the players. And I think they lost the game mentally on Saturday. I think they just haven't got the necessary skills to close out a game like that. They, They panic. And they get confused if the speed, the game breaks up at 60 minutes nearly in every rugby match. And England seem to get into a huge muddle when that happens, unless they're ahead and well ahead at that stage. They just don't seem to be able to cope with it or, or in, enjoy it. And that's where Wales attacked them. They started running around them rather than trying to go through them. And they just went, heads dropped. Some players went hiding. Coach made a couple of strange calls, bringing on... An out half who he dropped. He, he, he was dropped. He wasn't 
change of tactic, the guy was dropped. Suddenly he's brought on with 10 minutes to go and the out half who's been doing the job he was asked to do, uh, Farrell, is moved to the centre. That's... That's very strange thinking. I, I just, I, I couldn't... For when that started to happen, I thought, yeah, they're really struggling here. Right, moving on. Ronan Byrne was at Ireland-Romania at the weekend. He's based over in England and he might take us into the whole uh, psyche of the English rugby fan as well. All their worries are going on right now with this Australia game coming up this weekend. Alan Deegan wants to say something before we hand over to Roland. Yeah, just on that match on the, on the 89,000 on the world record, my sister lives in England and when she found out there was a possibility of tickets, she went looking and couldn't get any. Like seriously, they could have put 190,000 people in there. Yeah, I think one of the things they're probably regretting now is not nailing down Wembley for more games. But they dithered and dathered and the NFL moved in. And that's why it's only been used twice in the World Cup instead of five times. Interesting. More on that in a second. Here's Ronan. You were there on Sunday for the Romania match, Ronan. And welcome along as well. Cheers, Rob. Thanks a lot. Yeah, yeah I was, that's, uh, I was at Wembley, all right. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a great occasion. Um, the uh, the uh, astonishing sized crowd, to be honest. Uh, I, I have to say that uh, you know, in advance, I, I didn't think there'd be anywhere near as uh, a bigger crowd there. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, there were plenty of uh, of well, there was, uh, quite a few seats there uh, as well. But I don't think the crowd is quite as big as they as they as they stated. But um, it, they used the Pro 12 model of of, of um, <laughs> Uh, measuring by the number of tickets sold, I think, you know. Yeah, you uh, think maybe bump. a case of sponsors buying up tickets that they didn't end up using might explain some of those yeah. empty seats, yeah. Yeah, it would be, would be. Uh, the, yeah, I mean, it was it was a huge crowd. I mean, like, the, in, in in and around the stadium itself, like, in particular when, when we were leaving and that sort of thing, the, the, the number of people, you know, under Irish people, like, um, when we were leaving uh, through Wembley Park uh, Tube, you've probably seen the YouTube videos and all this sort of stuff. Uh, people mm. singing and doing YMCA and stuff, but it was, the crack was great. Like there was just so many Irish people there. It was, it was a fantastic day. The weather was brilliant. The result, the right result. Um, you know, I think uh, probably not. You know, for for purists, probably a bit too one-sided and lacked the sort of um, intensity. Um, probably this um, a purist would, would enjoy, but it was a great occasion all the same. You know, I think everyone enjoyed them, enjoyed themselves. It was a great buzz around the stadium. Um, hey, do, yeah, you, so. do you think the Irish are, are are almost like becoming in terms of supporters, like? You know, and we're not too biased on this podcast, and we're quite happily not to uh, get caught up in the bandwagon. But they do seem to be the the biggest support that's over there. Would that be fair to say? And, and probably making the biggest impact, or am I getting too carried away? No, I, don't, I think historically in sports, you know, certainly the football and and, and the rugby, you know, Irish people have been shown to travel a lot for 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 two the big tournaments and stuff. You know, everyone remembers. Uh, European Championships in Poland and, and Ukraine, you know, there's you know tens of thousands. You know, I was with, I was with the last World Cup in Europe in, in 2007 in France. And yeah, like, we were we know, were both we, there. We met in Paris. Well, exactly. Time, yeah. yeah, exactly. Like you know, we were in, in Stade de France. There was 30,000 Irish fans there at least for the France game. You know, and, and part of France there was at least I'd say a good half of the half the ground was Irish for the Argentina game. You know, so historically we do travel. You know, and you can see it in the in the in the high well not the high Cup for the European. European Cup, you know, um, you know, Irish people like to to 
get, go out and support the teams and, and just be able to just travel. It's interesting. You bring up 2007. Like, the difference between 2007 and now is, is the obvious chances of winning the World Cup. You know, obviously, no one's getting carried away to think we have a great chance of winning, but we have a half chance and we certainly are one of the main contenders. And uh, I was going to ask you, do you think a, an extra bit of support is in there because Ireland are so strong and competitive and have won the last two championships? But I get the feeling you're going to tell me, no, there'd be this support here anyways because it's just yeah. Ireland are always fairly strong in rugby and there's always a big interest. Well, yeah, I think, you know, the obvious factor is the fact that there's so many Irish over here already, you know, I think it's, it's very accessible, you know, uh, whereas France, you know, it was the, 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 you know to get 30,000 Irish people, in, you know, uh, attending games in, in, in France was a, was a massive achievement, you know, because it's the cost and the, uh, the logistics of it, mm. but for, for here, like for Irish people getting over to the UK and, and the amount of Irish people that already live here, you know, I mean, in Wembley itself, the amount of London Irish uh, jerseys and and banners and all this sort of stuff. It was, it was a huge uh, contingent from from that uh, that, that the that, that their supporter base, you know. Um, so I, I think it, yeah, they're from the 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 team point of view. Um, yeah, I think the expectation is probably high, but I think it was in 2007 as well. We had a couple of good seasons in, in the Six Nations leading into it. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. I think it, it just the, the, you know in that the, the, the wheels came off the wagon fairly early with the two uh, early games in Bordeaux uh, and this you know we seem to have got a preparation right this time you know and we've we've taken care of business in the first two games uh, now we get down to the crunch games Italy and Italy and France you know and uh, we'll see how we will see how, how well prepared we are you know in these in these two games you know. Talk to me about the overall World Cup atmosphere in England. Uh, has it struck you to be more than you expected? Uh, you know, are you are you impressed with how England have done in terms of the show that they put on? Let's not talk about their rugby yet because uh, that's a factor as well. But just in the overall vibes that you're getting on how the World Cup has impacted England and Great Britain. Well, I think the, I think the, the the feedback's been pretty good. You can see the you know like I mean I I, I I've been unfortunate that I haven't actually got that many tickets to games and stuff. But from what I've seen on TV, no more than anybody else, the crowds have been fairly decent. Uh, the weather's played ball, which is brilliant. <laughs> you know, we haven't had uh, too many games in the rain, which is which is great for supporters. You know, people, particularly people travelling into the UK. You know, I think it's always a always a worry when you go into Britain and Ireland in autumn. <laughs> the yeah. chance you might have a you might have to bring your weather gear. You know, but um, yeah, no, it's, it's it's been really really good. Um, the I think it depends. It does depend where you're located as to how much impact the World Cup would have on your daily life. Um, I think if you live in the, any of the the the, the locations where the World Cup is passing through or the games have been held, I think it'll be much more visible. I, I'm, I'm actually not in London. I'm, I'm, I'm outside the M25. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't really impact me on a daily basis. I don't see that much of it. Um, but I have to say, like, I'm, um, tomorrow, for example, I, I actually, I, I work in Guildford and um, the uh, I play a bit of uh, work uh, six aside football, and tomorrow we're going up to this, the University of Surrey uh, sports campus, mm. where Ireland are based for the warm up, uh, the build up for the uh, Italy game. So I'm expecting to see the <laughs> the squad training uh, tomorrow, hopefully. Yeah, and finally, I guess this Sunday Ireland play Italy in London again. I know you were online trying to buy tickets, and you were pulling your hair out. Yeah, it's been a, a, a very frustrating experience trying to actually access uh, access tickets. I mean, uh, if you're on a budget, I think you know um, it limits your opportunities automatically. Um, and I think you know, for me personally, 
this was the game that I was most looking forward to. You know, I, I think for some people, Ireland France is the big game, but I like, I, you know, I, I obviously, you know, I, I love the passion of their fans and stuff. Um, and I was really looking forward to going to, to trying to get to the game anyway. And um, I, I missed out in the uh, in, in the original uh, ballot and. Uh, I have had two uh, occasions where I've had tickets uh, stuck in my cart and not been able to purchase them for whatever reason, the glitches in their system. But well, I'm not giving up hope, Rob. You know, I, 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 I suspect I, I suspect that, that you know that there will be one and dribs, dribs and drabs of tickets coming back in as people, you know, last last minute they can't attend and you know fingers crossed something come up but uh, you know if I go, if I go I know I'll, I'll be uh, in amongst a massive another massive uh, Irish crowd again you know and the the atmosphere will be, will be fantastic if anybody who's lucky enough to get a ticket for for for, uh, for this weekend um, yeah I think the atmosphere will be brilliant I think it'll be a much much more much tighter game um, uh, than we've seen so far uh, much more of a, a competition and uh I, it's a really good test for the, for for Joe Schmidt's uh, 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 team, and uh, fingers crossed we come through okay. You know, brilliant, Ronan. Well, listen, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll chat to you again in a couple of weeks, hopefully, and uh, yeah, let's hope you're taking in a few more games. And if not, just enjoy it on the telly like the rest of us. Cheers, Rob. Lads, let's have a little bit of a chat about the atmosphere. William mentioned it earlier. He's mentioned just before this the big crowds. England do things in a way that are different than other countries when it comes to sport. Although I did see one really funny post under the England Wales feed where someone says, now that we're out of the World Cup, why do we have to continue with it? Why are they allowed to use our stadiums and stay in our hotels? <laughs> Send them home. And I think she was half serious. But that's neither here nor there. But what a turnout from English sports fans again. Like, leave aside Ireland fans playing their part in, in the world record and playing their part in probably the biggest away sport. Let's start with the English public. They've done an incredible job. Yeah, but everyone forgets how many people live in England and how big rugby is over there. It's a tiny sport, but it's huge at the same time. There's more people who play or are involved in rugby in England than there is in the rest of the rugby world put together. Wow. Alan, that's what we call him, stats man. Mm. William, that's a fact, I guess. And beyond that, like just to add to, to that, as well as that being a factor, the Olympics proved and European Championships in 1996 and lots of other things proved that England really do come out. The Tour de France, the people who came out for the Tour de France, they love sport and they love watching sport. They're very good sports watchers. Mm. They're incredibly organised people when they go to something like that. Uh, we turn up with our Dunstore's carrier bag and they turn up with something completely different that has been prepared we for well, no, no, it's <laughs> it's a wicker basket, but it's probably been taken 24 hours to put together. And if you look at the 1991 World Cup, they were playing group games at places like Otley and getting 3,500 people. Yeah. That just would not happen. Now, Elland Road was 40,000 people bouncing. Aston Villa, they've targeted it well. Maybe there's too many games in London. That's been a slight complaint, but they have the bigger stadiums. And they've really made it work. The turnout of the Irish fans will not go unnoticed when the 2023 World Cup decision is being made. Television, for all its the issues that come with it, TV like full grounds. They like atmosphere. And us, it's worth saying, just to jump in there, Australia played a role in that. They showed people that when they held the World Cup how different it could be when you fill the stadium for something like Georgia and Uruguay. And we all took note of it because we never expected that. Yeah, and so did France in oh, 2007. The French did a phenomenal job using mostly soccer grounds, from what I can remember, um, so it, that's an important part. 
Whether we can do it here or not, yeah, I think we can. I think we've just got to set ourselves up and say we can do it. We'll have a feature on that in a couple of weeks because we're, we're gathering some opinions about Ireland hosting World Cup. I want to go to Dave on this, on that point about Irish rugby fans. You know, I was speaking to someone in the shop today. He says, are you going over to a game? Everyone asks me this because, you know, I'm involved in rugby. Are you going over? Are you not going over to a game? Stunned that I'm not going over. But leaving that aside, he says, I'm going over. Camper van, all packed out. And, uh, and he says, and sure, there's a big, a big plaza. We're all going to watch a game. I was like, you don't have a ticket? No, no. There is literally going to be at least 10 or 15,000 Irish fans without tickets there. This really does help show what the Irish could do if they hosted it. Yeah, I think we need to realise, and we need to be a little bit, take the, be the negative Nelly here, but we have to realise that these guys are not guys who go to provincial games. They are, there is a huge cohort. Now, admittedly, there's the diaspora element of a fact. I wonder how many of the 90,000 who lived, who went to that game. If you say, let's say there was 85,000, because there was, a, you know, there was token Romanian interest there, and a few English people who got caught up in the madness. But there's 85,000 Irish people there. I reckon about 65,000 of them don't live in Ireland right now. Um, I would suggest that the diaspora is a massive issue, and the diaspora when we when we talk when we get twenty uh, the, the twenty three World Cup, the diaspora will come back and they'll fill all the stadiums, and it'll be great because they'll come up. It'll be a monument. It'll be like it'll be like what the the reu- that great Enders great reunion would have been only if you'd only had the sense to have an actual massive sporting occasion in the middle of it because that's what it's going to be. It's going to be a monumental. I, th- I think a lot of us will remember it in hindsight because we'll be too. We might be a little bit inebriated whilst it's going on. My only my only issue with what's happening, my only issue with with us hosting it is I think that the guy might throw a spanner in the works. And I think that the grounds that we need um, will need to be... We, I don't think we have enough... At this present moment in time, I say... This is why I'm glad we're not hosting it this time. I don't think the stadiums we have at the moment... We don't have enough of them. We, I mean, the big issue, and I think the massive we need to be looked at, is that I think Caseman Park is, going to, is a basket case of a ground. And I think that's the sort of thing we need to avoid. But in terms of if we have enough grounds and we get our arses in gear with North and South, I think not only will we host 2023, I think it could be absolutely immense. And I mean, everybody will want to come here. Because they know if this is what we do when we're not hosting it, can you imagine when we're throwing there'll be more sandwiches, mammy making, making sandwiches. You won't be able to move in Ireland for ham sandwiches. Everybody will be having the tea. No tea. one will be able to get out of a house without a cup of tea. You won't be you won't be able to get Fanta and Tejo in the country for three months afterwards because all the be centre will be stocked. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. That, that, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying what this has proven is that we can do it. The only caveat I prone it now is I just wonder. Will we? Will there be coordination to get the grounds ready in time? Okay, so I don't want to bring that on any further because we're going to have a podcast where we'll talk about the future World Cup and just park that because I, I want to. We want to talk about that more. I've spoken to people involved in the GA, but that no, that's why I want, I want to stick on the atmosphere in this current World Cup because when we talk about the prospect of Ireland hosting World Cup, we need to get into some of the politics of it. Back to the current atmosphere. What's going to happen for that France game? What's going to happen in the Olympic Stadium this weekend again? And what's been happening up to now? There's only been two matches that I've seen where Swing Low Sweet Chariot has not been sung. One was in Wembley, because it was full of Irish people, and the other was today, when they all sang that weird Exeter Chief. They were all there in their Chiefs jerseys as well. Like, I just, ah, oh, legends, oh, and they're a great brilliant. bunch of people. And they were, they were brilliant, and to the extent that both teams did a lap of honour at the end to thank them because they got such good support. 
brilliant. Yeah, it really is. And look, English rugby fans are fantastic people. Yeah, yeah, we we encounter them regularly and we, we love we love all their atmosphere. I, I still remember the Gloucester fans giving Connick such an incredible reception last season after that epic game that went to extra time. And it was heartfelt and genuine. It wasn't just, oh, we won, so now we'll give them a reception. You know, had we won that game, they would have applauded Connick off the field, even in their disappointment. Yeah, like I, I, I lived in England for eight or nine years. And I have to say, the English rugby fans, are the best. They are the most genuine people. They they genuinely, when their team is beaten by a better team, they genuinely give it up to them. You know, everyone goes on about England, loving watching England being beaten. I tend to support England more often than not. You know, everyone forgets 73. They came over when Scots and the Welsh wouldn't come over. And they, you know, when when we beat them in 2002, 2001, 2002, and Woody got the try, and we did a lap of honour for winning a game in the middle of September after the foot and mouth thing, they waited on the side of the pitch to clap our guys off. There's, there's class about how the English people do things, and, and Lancaster's brilliant at that. He's just, I think he's got a little bit of issue with who's his second in command. He's having a little bit too much influence, and there's a little bit too much rugby league style things going on there. Now, to be honest, Burgess should not be at the World Cup, in my opinion. He's a rugby, rugby league player who's a fantastic player, but he's not quite ready for the World Cup, although I did hear a good good opinion on that today from the BBC where they were saying the English are lacking so many natural leaders that he's a natural leader but how can you be a natural leader in a team when you don't know enough about the rules that is a factor let's stay on the England-Australia game because it's the game of the weekend and it's like I guarantee I completely agree with you and one thing I hate from maybe a lot of non-rugby people when they still go on about the Martin Johnson affair and I, I stand and I say Martin Johnson I respect him 100% and I just don't care about any sort of issues like that it just annoys me that that's still brought up but like I, I will be vocally cheering on England against Australia I would struggle to cheer them on massively against Wales I'm very neutral in that fixture I have to say but uh, neutral is the point uh, but like with this fixture this weekend I really hope they can win it it'd be good for the World Cup with him. let's start with that and then maybe take up some of Alan's points about his concerns Yeah I think it, I think it probably would be good for the World Cup but it's not an absolute disaster that's been painted No it's not It's not going to stop not, but, no. but if, you, if you read the, some bits of the English media it's like the World Cup will end if England don't qualify I think they'll win that's my opinion uh, I think they'll beat Australia they'll find a way to do it, it it'll probably be nerve wracking It'll be fascinating to watch yeah, it will, and it'll be fascinating to see how the crowd react um, if they if they get panicky. I thought last weekend England just just got ponderous, and their nerve went a little bit. And maybe they they are a young side, and it's difficult because I don't think he knows who his best out half is. And coming into a World Cup. But to start one out half against Fiji in forward, and then go to Farrell, and then bring forward on. That just smacked to me of of not having a plan. And if you're t- if they were fifteen points clear, maybe, but they never got far enough away because they kept giving away stupid penalties for the same offence over and over again. And that really allowed Wales to stay in the game. Yeah, and it comes back to this lack of leadership, and we've seen it in Connacht. We've got a captain who sometimes doesn't have anybody standing behind him, and he's left on his own. And England were very much that way at the weekend. They had a captain who's willing to stand up and put himself on the line, and he got nobody he helping him. Had a great game. That's getting forgotten. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and like England, I once I was watching a friend, a friend of mine's house, and his wife came in at one stage, and just just at half time, and I was chatting away to her, and like I looked at her, I sort of glancing at the thing, realized England were sort of well on top, and was just chatting away to her because I didn't think I needed to watch too much of it. And I looked around and I thought, hang on a minute, what's going on here? I think Ben Young's gone off was a huge issue for them because he was dominating the game. He really was, and Wigglesworth gave them nothing, absolutely nothing. I think he had the wrong man on the bench, apart from Martin Ellis, because 
up to then, Wales, Wales had nothing in the game. But then, as, as William said, they kept getting away stupid penalties and kept Wales in the game. You can't have the Welsh kick 18 points or, or 21, points. 21 points. You know, you're not going to win a game when you're giving the opposition 21 points. Nobody's going to win a game at that level. It's funny, a lot of the defeats in this World Cup you could point down to really bad discipline. Like Fiji's really poor performance so far. A lot of it's been down to. Uh, well, I, I, I know you're going to say bad refereeing, but in the no, first, no, in the first 10 minutes against un- Australia. Unfair refereeing. unfair refereeing in certain situations where the refereeing. The refereeing Fiji in one way and then refing the opposition yeah I agree like I agree that's a huge issue but Fiji started the game with, with, with a guy kicking the ball in the ruck when he was on when he's off his feet lying in the ruck yeah, and yeah. like if you want to live up to your reputation of just stupid penalties that got himself a sin bin they put Australia in the four, four, and, four and, foot. Well, and the reason Fiji have a really good chance at the weekend is Matawala's not even on the bench never mind playing yeah. they were a completely different side when he left the field Australia this is for Wales against her yeah, on Thursday. Australia, Australia didn't get the bonus point because Fiji started playing decent rugby with a decent scrum half who's bringing his back line into play rather than a guy who was looking for a hole every time he looked up he was looking for something for himself. Easy to defend against a guy like that. You put two men on him because you know he's going to spend so long looking for his own gap that he takes everybody else out of the game. All right, let's just move on to the last game that we really need to focus on this weekend which is Italy and Ireland and Italy, Dave, like we're involved in covering Connacht and my God, we watch a lot of Italian rugby players playing and we, like, I, like I'm just going to say what my opinion is, which I'm sure is going to be backed up by the room, which is just Italian rugby is an absolute disaster. It's not developing. It's not adding anything to the world game. I, I wanted them to lose against Canada. Why would you want a, a country to lose that you play in the same league where you want them to progress? But they're not progressing. I'm sick of them at this stage. There's nothing to them as a rugby team and there's nothing to do in the development and it starts with their own politics, which led to a team being based in Parma where there's no interest in rugby when it should have been in Rome and it goes on through the grains of the coaching and the development of backs it's just pathetic um, but I'm going to take one quick, quick my own quick, quick personal I think Australia will beat England because I don't think England are good enough and I think Australia are completely underrated by the gentleman beside me and I think they will absolutely that's William in case people don't no, know no, the no, gentleman no, 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 beside me oh gentlemen no, no, no. that's William and Alan two upside wing forwards who are brilliant take them out of it and there's not a whole hell of a lot else in that pack they've lost Palau and like, Skelton like as well I would like to point out England don't have any Blindside forwards, and I think they open are side, yeah. open. I, I, open side blindside. Well, they have Robshaw. <laughs> I don't. I think England. On the open side. I, I think. I think quite simply, England aren't good enough. I think Australia being highly underrated. I think that the one thing, Australia, if Australia, Australia, this will all hinge on who they pick at ten. If they pick Cooper, forget about it. England no, win. <laughs> all right. So I think I think I summed up the problems with Italian rugby. We can nearly yeah. leave it there. So let's stick with this. This is far more interesting. No, no. Is it? Right, I'd like to get back to. I can understand how Italy are able to produce really good players and yet can't produce anything close to a team. I cannot begin. I mean, let's go. And somehow they've gone back, they, despite everything. I mean, two years ago we thought when, when um, Eroni collapsed, the Italian national team actually kind of picked up. And then we've had three years of Zebra and it's like everybody's just given up the ghost. Yeah. And I can understand if you're there saying that, well, the Italian league rugby is, is problematic. But every time we've kind of taken on an Italian side, there's been at least five times as many internationals on the Italian team. And they're, they, they're just awful. And I mean, they, they, gave, they gave up last season in both games. Yeah. Um, the anger in Zebra last year when we destroyed yeah, them. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. They, have, they have 17 international, 17 of the squad are in one of the two teams and two, two, three more unattached. Unattached. There's 20 players playing, either playing Italian rugby or not playing at all. Um, I don't understand it. And I mean, but you think they've always given something up until this year. I mean, even the Six Nations, they always give something. And they, they, they scared, like, believe in be Jesus out of um, yeah. uh, Scotland every year. 
I don't know what's happening. I don't. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. But Scotland have used that coming into this World Cup as look, lads. If we're not careful, and it is something maybe we need to think about maybe for later on in the time is that if they ever introduce two tier and uh, promotion relegation, and they need to seriously maybe just. Think about it. Not necessarily go for yeah. it, but think well, about it. At least you should thank your lucky stars right, yeah, in and end up in a group with Georgia because not only would they have lost them, in my opinion, in the current format, they could have anyways. They could have finished outside the top three in the group and then would have had to pre-qualify and they would have had to no, redefine. No guarantee they won't finish outside the top three in the group, which may be the best slash worst thing to happen to Italian rugby. I mean, if they don't finish third, I think I, I don't know. See, there's part of me thinking if they don't finish third, it gives them the kick up the arse that they need. But if they don't finish third, it could just destroy rugby in Italy. Right, we have to finish, so just uh, round up anything else to look out for. Samoa, Japan should be good. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Do you think Japan can do anything else? I, it's a, that's a very hard one to call. I think if they go out and absolutely run at Samoa, yes, they can, because I think Samoa are a pretty ponderous team. But I just think Samoa will, will have enough in this context, because their plan seems to have been to set up the Scotland game the following weekend that's the way yeah. I see it Japan have only ever beaten Samoa three times while well, they've lost 11 times to them so you, you can just see that the Samoa should should and probably will win that game um, the other one is, is I think South Africa going to get an easy bonus point against Scotland because I thought Scotland were so bad against America until the second half but you know, I just can't see I, the, the South Africans actually they're better off without the Villiers those two centres they have are phenomenal together phenomenal yeah Right, just enough time to go through the fixtures for the weekend. Wales versus Fiji. Who's going to win? Dave? Wales. Wales. William? Wales. Alan? Wales. I'll go with Fiji. Uh, France versus Canada? France, but not by much. France easily. Yeah, France will get a bonus point in the first half. Yeah, Canada will fall apart after their good performance the previous week. I agree. New Zealand versus Georgia. We're all going for New Zealand. Anyone saying that Georgia will get within 50 points? No. Yes. Yes, yes, no. Because nobody, I mean, if Namibia can get within 60 points, then Georgia definitely will. I'm telling you, New Zealand were just in cruise control then. England versus Australia. Australia. England. England. Almost oh, certainly England. I think they're going to do the job. Uh, the earlier games that day, Samoa versus Japan. I'm going to call Samoa. Samoa, but not by much. Samoa tight. Yeah, Samoa in a tight game. Uh, South Africa versus Scotland. South Africa with a bonus point, is my opinion too, Alan. I know you think that. Yeah, absolutely, in the first half, yeah. Oh, in the first half, yeah. I, I, I'll see your bonus point and I'll raise your first half. South Africa a little bit tighter than people think. Then Alan and me take anyways. South Africa, but it'll be the bonus point will depend on which props come off the bench for Scotland. We're recording next Monday, so two more. Yeah, that's very interesting. Two more games just before uh, we'll be recording again. Argentina versus Tonga. Argentina because they're getting better Argentina with a bonus point for me uh, Argentina with a bonus point Yeah Argentina I'm not sure they'll get the bonus point Doesn't matter anyways to them As long as no. they just get the win But still Ireland versus Italy I think Ireland will win this by less than something like 21 points Something less I just think it'll be a bit scrappy I think Ireland will try and reproduce the game in Rome And it won't work And we'll get four tries And two will be in the first 20 minutes And two will be in the last 20 minutes Ireland with a bonus point pretty easily and Perezi coming back is of no benefit to Italy. I do think we'll get a bonus point. I just think it'll be scrappy. No, oh, I think it's a massive benefit. Italy are completely... Talk about George being a one-man team. Italy are a one-man team and he'll be coming back. You he know. can't be fit, Alan. He can't. He's just got to... He's, he hasn't even been in, in England. He's been... Stade Francais have kept him to, to do the rehab work. So 
I don't know what state he's in. He, he's more a mythic figure than a player, I'd say, for this. Maybe, maybe. Their only chance is the first 20 minutes of the second half. We have not performed in the first 20 minutes of the second half in the first two games. We've switched off. Now, maybe it's because we've been cruising. We've been on cruise control. We've picked it up again. But if we if we continue to only play for 60 out of 80, some team is going to pummel us in that first day, in that 20 minutes after half time. Next week, it's our World Cup uh, final group round preview show, is what I'm trying to say. Next week is our preview of the France Ireland game. So we'll have fun with that next Monday. It'll be out on Tuesday. But this podcast is concluding just with me saying, don't forget to listen in to Craggy Island Rugby, which is back next weekend, where Connacht are playing Cardiff. It'll be hard to get excited about that. Samoa, Scotland game, you know. Yeah, will we even go to it? Yeah, we will. Anyways, we're out of here. Thanks, folks. Thanks, lads. Check.